Hello, everybody. There are two hearts, but there's just one spot in the lineup. Who will hit second, Jeremy Pena or Michael Brantley? Ronel Blanco, is he going to be a starter? We'll talk about this and more on this edition of Locked on Astros. Alvarez, it's a high drive center field. Veerling's back. This game is turned upside down. There's the runner. Fly ball down the right field line. Tucker comes on. Kyle Tucker. This time they finish the job. Hello and welcome to Locked on Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. And um, you can find us on Twitter at Eric Talk Astros. You find a show at Locked On Astros, your team every day. Uh, Brett Seening has thrown me off a little bit, but Brett, where can he find you on Twitter? Now, I didn't sing this song, but we are just two hearts, but we are one mind here at Locked On Astros. Thank you, Phil Collins. You can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me at Stroh's 411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive. Positive. I don't care who hits second because I know he's going to make the right pick. Dusty Baker always Stroh's. All right, guys, thank you for making Locked on Astros podcast your first listen every day. Whether it's on YouTube, go ahead and put, push that little red subscribe button and go ahead and give us a big fat thumbs up if you like us as well. And go ahead and make us your first listen on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I could list them all out, but just wherever you listen to your podcast, please make us your first listen every day as spring training marches on. What's going on with Michael Brantley? What's going on with Jordan Alvarez? We have a whole bunch of people leaving for the World Baseball Classic. What message does Dusty Baker have for those fellas? And uh, just so much to discuss. That's the good thing about having a daily Astros podcast is we get to talk about it every day. So let's go and get started with something that we talked about a, a little bit last week, but it was kind of confirmed uh, a little bit after you recorded on Thursday that Ronel Blanco is definitely getting stretched out to be a starter. I know he's going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic, most likely as a reliever. Maybe the Astros can maybe communicate with him. But um interesting story was that we know Dana Brown was uh, part of as a scout. And so he was watching a game and Ronel Blanco was pitching and he said this, it kind of fired me up over there. I was like, Hey, why can't this guy start? And so then a few days later, he's pitching a second inning. And that was the start of stretching Ronel Blanco out. He has uh, three, four good pitches, and if he's able to get stretched out maybe to five innings or three to uh, four to five innings by the end of spring training, go down to AAA, then get stretched out a little bit more, then who knows? He could fill in that Christian Javier role of being uh, maybe a long reliever in uh, May and then may, maybe the sixth starter until Lance McCullers comes back. Here's what I love about this club, Eric. No matter where they put him, the Astros are going to um, cross every T and dot every I and make sure that they put Ronel Blanco in the most optimal position. Whether that's like an opener, three innings, whether that's a long reliever like you've mentioned. But I maybe we should call you the sage or the fortune teller because literally after you said that, they stretched him out. Maybe 
they're watching Locked on Astros and listening to Eric the Man Heisman for their scouting department. So if you get hired away, you can't leave the podcast, okay? But look, in all seriousness here, um, Ronel Blanco, and I kind of floated this idea to you. It literally just popped in my head. Why don't they have Ronel Blanco come in as a starter or as an opener, like three innings, maybe two innings, and then let Hunter Brown come in and get those five innings to qualify for a win, and then you got your back end. If Ronell pitches two two solid innings, one time through the lineup, bring in Hunter Brown. Then if Hunter Brown exits by the eighth inning, you have your setup guy, Abreu, and then Presley. Man, you want to talk about a win-win scenario. You get Hunter Brown still acting as a starter because he was very successful, once again, in the minor leagues. And the Astros, better than I think just about any team out there, does this and have done this with their young pitchers. So it wouldn't be demoting him to a reliever role in Hunter Brown, but it would be promoting him and putting him in that great spot. Um, someone's saying Abreu it would be better than Blanco for starter. I don't yes. know. As yes, he would. he would. He would. Origin- hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. Don't interrupt me, sir. I'm trying to argue you. I mean, ar- <laughs> no. mean uh, prove your point that you said you, the other day. No, you could have argued my point of a point of Abreu being a starter two seasons ago, not now. Abreu's not a starter. They're not going to put him in that role. But Blanco, because he hasn't cemented himself over a full season and being one of the most dominating relievers in all of baseball, I just don't think that would be the wisest thing to do. But there's, there are, there is, you know, a million ways to peel an orange or to skin a, I don't want to say a cat, but I just did. Um, it doesn't matter where you put this guy. I think the Astros have the intel and the intelligence to put him in the most optimal place. And that could be as an opener. I don't know if I like him as a starter, but give him a few innings, um, stretch him out and we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, at the locked on Astros podcast, we love all animals. Uh, so just to say that again, it's so, a, it's a um, figure any, of speech. Any, I mean, come uh, on. Complaints or concerns can be, uh, whatever it's a, <laughs> You know, so if that bothers uh, you, call the ambulance. Okay. That's all I got to say. So, uh, to go back to Blanco, I think yeah. what they're doing is, uh, he has not really shown anything at the major league level yet. And Josh Miller said that there, it's really hard to crack this Astros bullpen. And so what Blanco would be doing is giving himself options, given the Astros options. So if he's able to succeed in this role, then he'll make himself a little bit more desirable. So um, right now you have Brandon Belak. I really think he is a bulk option, somebody who can pitch three innings versus a six starter. Uh, we don't know what to expect from Forrest Whitley yet. I know he pitched today and he did throw two innings. Uh, so he did allow a walk in today's game, but um, we don't know fully what we're going to see from Forrest Whitley yet. He didn't allow a run in this game. He allowed one hit as well, but then you also have the other uh, other healthy guy that could start is Sean Dubin, and I know that he started the last game. So what this World Baseball Classic is going to do is going to give a whole bunch of other people a chance to get starts because you have Luis Garcia going to uh, uh, going out, then you have Christian Javier and uh, Framer Valdez going out. So you're going to have a lot of other people with options to start. I believe Blanco is going to represent his home country. So uh, maybe the Astros are communicating with that team and saying, look, 
we want to kind of stretch this guy out. So if you can maybe use him for two innings, maybe three innings, something like, like that, just don't overuse him. But this is just another option in case there's an injury, in case Forrest Whitley doesn't turn out, in, in case uh, Brandon Belak continues to uh, get hit around a little bit. I know it's just spring training a little bit, but uh, you have to like what we've seen so far with uh, Luis Garcia. Oh, He's yeah. changed his delivery and he looks dominant. We'll have to talk about that in a second. And then uh, Christian Javier pitched on Thursday. I think you talked about that as well. Yeah. From Valdez did, but this rotation, I'm not super worried about overall, but Blanco to kind of close it. I think that this is a good idea. He, there's not really a place for him on the in the bullpen. I mean, Seth Martinez may not even make the bullpen, and he's probably one of their best relievers. So um, it's just kind of like having too many built bars, and you just don't know where to put them. And so that's what uh, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. So looking at your delicious treats in your cabinet, are they free of fat and calories like a built bar? Well, if not, you got to get one because they are they just continue to amaze me with what they deliver in their product. This product is wrapped in 100% chocolate. I actually consume these on a I'm not say every single day, but just as close to daily basis as you could get. They are unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond and so much more. So this is what I got to tell you is their, their stats are amazing. And since y'all are baseball people, y'all are smart people. You like good macros with what you consume in these built bars, 130 calories, four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's right. This isn't like inflated stats or, I mean, this would be like the steroid era of, of, you know, protein bars. They are amazing. Okay. Um, you don't need to wait around to get a box. You don't have to go to, you can go to built.com and order, but you don't have to wait. It's great because they now have convenient locations and Walmart or Sam's heard of them. That's right. Me too. Go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and say, Hey, where's my built bars? And they say right there, sir. If you go over there, there's a box of built bars. There's a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. You go to Sam's club and say, Hey, I need my 13 bar box, please. And they're like right over there. Hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can't go wrong with built bar. It makes, it fills you up. It makes you feel good for consuming something that tastes good for you and it's actually healthy. You can thank me later. So looking at Ronel Blanco, just kind of wrap up the conversation so far in three innings pitch, he has six strikeouts, a 0.67 whip allowing a 182 batting average with the zero ERA. I know it's only two games, but it's something to be excited about uh, with what he can offer. Now, can he transition that into a starting role? Can he transition that into the big leagues? We don't know yet, but somebody who has uh, transitioned into a different delivery is Luis Garcia. And so far in five innings, he's allowed one walk, five hits, a 1.20 whip, 1.80 ERA, I know it doesn't matter at spring training, but he has a 2-0 record. But Luis Garcia just looks like he has a better overall command of everything. And Marcus Stroman said on Twitter that his new delivery, without all the extra antics, is just going to make him an overall better pitcher. Well, yeah, because you are simplifying a process. It's kind of like when you look at um, like Chas McCormick's swing. He's, he's become more compact. Anytime you can reduce what you do from having the ball in your hand and glove to releasing the ball, throwing the ball, 
that's going to allow you to be more consistent. It's more repeatable. So the more simple the delivery is, the more repeatable it is. And that's what you look for as a pitcher, as a hitter, are repeatable motions, motions that give you the optimal output. And Luis Garcia is a, he's a very solid professional. I say young professional. He's not super young in age, but he's young really still in his career. And he has really taken ownership of this. Some players, him and Hall, some players have complained and griped. Luis Garcia has just put his head down and he's focused and moved forward. And I think that has to be, give a testament to the pitching coaches, to the developmental people they've had around him since he's been with the Astros, Eric. It just it speaks volumes of the quality personnel they have around these players. And I don't think that gets talked about enough outside of Houston. I think you and I know it. I think our fans know it. But outside of Houston, you're like, oh, well, Luis Garcia is just another good pitcher. Christian Javier no, these guys and Valdez, they've all come into their own because of the training they've been given, the mental training, the physical training. And I love that from Marcus Stroman, where he's kind of, it seems like making these salacious things, saying things out in public, you know, going back and forth with people to hear him say that in a level-headed response from a professional pitcher. I think that validates what we're seeing out of Luis Garcia. And he may have a surprisingly good year almost to be to where they're like, hmm, could he be a sleeper to be in consideration for Cy Young down the road? I don't know. I'm just saying if he has found the magic in this, the sky's the limit for Luis Garcia because there's no pressure on him, Eric. He's not Framber Valdez and he's not Christian Javier. Those are the two guys everybody's expecting to do something. So I think Luis Garcia is quietly going to have one of the better seasons like Javier had last year. I know that Chris Walton says that Seth Martinez should be stretched out at triple a and in case there's injury bug, I don't think that they're going to stretch him out. He's too valuable as a reliever. I think what you're going to see is force Whitley stretched out. Uh, Brandon Belak, if he doesn't make the open day roster, he's going to be a starter in triple a you're you may see Blanco stretched out as well. And then, um, uh, Sean Dubin probably as well. So you're going to see some of those other guys, but Seth Martinez, on any other squad would probably be on here, but Matt Gage granted he's only pitched in one game, but the Astros really went out of their way to make that deal happen. And he, uh, Dusty Baker loves to have that lefty in the bullpen. And I know you can't have the one, one pitcher, one hitter lefty anymore, but still Matt Gage does have some great stuff. And so it'll be interesting to see if he gets some more playing time with uh, some yeah. of the other guys away. But um, it's really at this point, Matt Gage versus Seth Martinez for that final spot. In and open. I really think Matt Gage is a diamond in the rough and you're not, you're not in any certain situation where you have to, have Seth Martinez up, right? I mean, he still has eligibility in the in the minor leagues. And so if you have that and Matt Gage is that guy, then you're, you're, you're going to put the guy who is best qualified for that. And that's, again, where I trust this Astros front office. I trust the Astros coaches. You know, even when we talk to Jason Bell, someone who who is over all the position players in the organization, they know these guys like the back of their hand. They will be in contact with these teams, someone was asking me, um, I believe it was Mr. Rashad is asking me if, if he, if we thought that Jose Altuve and Garcia would be playing um, with team Venezuela um, or like Wednesday. And, 
you know, I think most of them are are going to be off here here pretty soon if if they're not already headed there. I know when my son and I get to spring training, 12 of those guys are going to be gone. I was kind of bummed when I realized that, but they're still going to have guys like Brantley. They're still going to have um, Jordan Alvarez. Hopefully we'll be hitting when we get there next week. Um, and we'll talk about the update on him and Brantley. Um, but Eric, there's so many things. There's so many storylines with this team. And I think we're in for a really good season. I think we're in for a lot of guys to have great seasons and great contributions that we don't normally talk about outside of Bregman, outside of Altuve, outside of your, you know, big four, big five guys. Yeah. And uh, actually Altuve and a couple other guys are still going to stay with the team tomorrow. They're going to play in the game and they're, they'll head out after that. So I know, yes, Altuve will be in the lineup probably Wednesday against the Astros ace, Brandon Belak, he's going to be starting a game versus uh, Team Venezuela on Wednesday. So that would be an interesting matchup. And so, yeah, some most of the team has left after this. But um, I think that you'll see um, uh, you'll see a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, so Kyle Tucker f- finished 7 for 15 in Grapefruit League play. So this was a guy who's concerned about the pitch clock but he seems to be doing pretty well. And then Altuve had two hits in today's game. So that's good. that's good for him to get going. And Luis Garcia, going back to him for a second, he built up his pitch count to 50. So that's half of halfway to 100. So hopefully when he goes to World Baseball Classic, he's able to build that up a little bit. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, we haven't done this in a while, but. Thoughts by Dusty. Okay, this is Dusty Baker on uh, the Astros going to the World Baseball Classic. He said, go away healthy and come back healthy. Please, Jose Altuve, don't get hurt. Kyle Tucker, go out there, have fun, hit some home runs, but come back. Please come back. Yeah, you know, honestly, you know, Eric, that is, I think, I think that's a real concern for these clubs, especially the Astros, 12 players. That's a lot of players. That's like, that's, that's almost half of your roster gone. Now, I, I don't know how big these rosters are because just off the top of my head, I'm not, I'm not Sean, Sean Spradling on uh, Twitter. Who's like the world baseball classic expert, but I believe they're going to manage these players properly. They understand that they have bigger fishes to fry. They've got massive contracts that they're having to uphold in honor so I don't think that you're going to see a whole lot of things go down negatively. They're going to manage these guys tonight. Um, you know, they're going to manage these guys the way that they that they see fit. Um, but, hey, talking about managing players and talking about players, um, Dana Brown apparently saying he's still talking, speaking of Kyle Tucker, still talking to Kyle Tucker's agent, still talking to Framber's agent. Um has anything changed on that front or are they just still kind of mentioning that they're talking with each other about contract extensions? Well, Dana Brown just said, we're still in communication with Casey close, who is Kyle Tucker's agent. We're optimistic. We think we can get it done. And we've also started talking to Valdez's Valdez and his agent. So rah, 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 we can get it done. So um, that doesn't mean that, they're going to get it done. I just think that they just, they're just talking. And he also added that once the season starts, and I've mentioned this several times, 
there's not going to be any communication. We saw that with Carlos Correa. Players do not like to talk about contracts extensions during the season. So uh, he confirmed that today. He said uh, that contract extension would most likely be tabled in the regular season if nothing gets done during the regular season. Also, Dana Brown mentioned that Michael Brantley will be ready maybe opening day or maybe at the worst a week into the season at the worst. So this is okay. Maybe. So, so I was actually listening to this cause I didn't catch the other stuff about Jordan on the others, but, but I was listening to the game when I heard this and he literally said, well, you know, Brantley's going to, Brantley's going to be there opening day starting. Well, we expect maybe. him to be there opening day. If not, it'll probably be a week after I was like, hold on guys, like quit. Like, look, if you don't think it's going to be opening day, just say, you know what? Our our goal is opening day, but more than likely, the best possible route for Brantley, the safest would probably be to give it another week to make sure that he's 100% healthy. Like, to me, that's more honest and forthcoming than saying yes and then going, well, but maybe a week later. And I understand they're not wanting to show all the cards that they have in their hand. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the word maybe. I'm going to go ahead and read the next quote real quick. Dana Brown also said that Jordan Alvarez will take some weeks, maybe, sorry, take some swings, maybe next weekend. Yeah, he said, maybe. by the, he go, and then he said, well, by the end of the weekend, so next Sunday. So, hey, we're going to be there next week. And I'm Maybe. hoping, no, no, we're definitely going to be there. That's for sure. So the game we go to Saturday, he probably won't be playing. Um, we're not going to go to the game Wednesday because we're going to the World Baseball Classic with a friend. But we're going to go to the game that next Saturday. And that's an evening game. That's the day before we fly back to Houston. So I'm hoping Jordan Alvarez is back in. If not, we'll at least get try to get some footage of him on the backfield. See if he can say, locked on Astros for us or something cool like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do, I do need to correct myself. I did say from Valdez was going, but the Astros and uh, Valdez both agreed that he's not going. I just forgot about that at that very moment, but let's go ahead. And in a second, we'd need to talk about what everybody wants to us to talk about who's going to hit second for the Houston Astros. That's been a big topic across, um, Astros Twitter all day. And whoever is the number two hitter for the Houston Astros, that's something good to put on your LinkedIn profile. And this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Yeah, that's right. So if you are looking to find job seekers, if you're looking for a potential hire and you feel like the stakes are high because it's your small business and you want 100% certainty that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and free. So this is what you need to do. You need to make sure that you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. Like, are you a Yankees fan? If so, please apply somewhere else. No, joking aside. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So this is what I need you to do. Are you ready? LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. 
So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So as a math teacher, we do look at something called sample size. And the greater the sample size when you're dealing with probability, the more likely it is to occur again. So if you're looking at who are you going to hit second in this Astros lineup, who's more likely to do something, who's to have the more consistent contact, you're going to, are you going to go with the young kid who's probably going to hit maybe 20, 25 home runs, maybe strike out a little bit, maybe have a lower batting average, or are you going to go with Uncle Mike, who's a, a professional hitter who's probably going to make great contact and put the ball in play a little bit more? And that's what Dusty Baker has to decide. And so last year in a small sample size, yes, Pena hit 290 during the regular season, batted 522 when he was, uh, sorry, had a slash a slugging percentage of 522 and 219 plate appearances in regular season. Right. And during the uh, postseason, he had a slash line at 245, 367, 638 during 345. You said 245. There's so many numbers, yes. Well, that's okay. But but yeah, 345 and 245 are, are two different numbers. So he basically excelled during the playoffs, and that's and that's understandable. And you can give a young player confidence by putting him back in that two-hole. And I think a lot of people's argument for saying Pena should be in the two-hole isn't necessarily thinking that he can do better than Brantley, but the fact that he's so protected between the first and the third hitter that that – ups his chances of success where if Brantley is lower in the lineup, he's going to hit wherever he is. But like you said, the larger sample size is always going to take precedence in baseball. They're going to take the most probable thing there is to put a player in that position. And that's Michael Brantley. He's a professional hitter. He's a 300 plus hitter, but we're talking if Brantley is healthy to start the season. If he's not there the first week, it's a moot point until he's out there healthy. But we're talking optimal lineup. Everybody's in the lineup. Brantley, two. I mean, you know, Eric, this is a great problem to have. One through seven. I mean, one through eight, I guess. But one through seven is a litany list of all-stars. So where do you put Pena? If you put Brantley, two, do you put Pena all the way down to seven just because seniority? Yeah, you have to. I mean, and this is what, uh, I mean, I know your name's Brett. My name is Eric. We don't run the Houston Astros. You know who does? Dusty Baker. And Actually, is- Jim Crane runs the Houston well, Astros. I know, but you know what I mean. The manager, <laughs> Mr. Smarty Pants. But uh, this is what uh, Dusty Baker, the team's manager, had to say about this. He said, if Brantley is in the lineup, Brantley is number two. I know Pena has been good, but he ain't been good as long as Brantley. And he also went on to say, they're going to make some adjustments to Pena. I don't believe in sophomore jinxes. I believe in the year of adjustments. And that's what Pena has to do. They're going to learn to pitch to him. They're going to learn how to get him out. And I think they he even had a period of time last year where he struggled. And they're learning how to pitch to him. But he made that adjustment right in time. I mean, a lot of people say, well, that's because he he uh, started hitting second. He had all that lineup protection, but he still 
made that adjustment. And so it's up to Pena to decide what to do. But like we said, is Brantley even going to start the season with the Astros? Well, I think a healthy Brantley, Brantley's that he's in the two hole. And I know um, someone had someone made a comment that um, actually Chris says Pena without protection is not the same hitter. You know, true. Um, but you're you're going to put your guy that is going to be a more guaranteed put the ball in play, especially with contact like a Michael Brantley. Um, because of the new rules with the pickoff moves and all that stuff, Brantley, I mean, he's not going to be a stolen base threat, but it's going to be easier for someone to someone like him to be on the bases because he can maybe get an early lead. If those pickoff moves have been made, he can get an early lead and a bigger jump um, to get him around the bases. Speed is going to play a big role in some. So there's a lot of pros and cons. I mean, you could really probably go go back and forth that if we made an exhaustive list on you know, things that Pena has that that would be an advantage in the two hole versus things that Brantley doesn't have. I just think that higher bat and average, the high contact rate, the more sure you know where the ball's going when it leaves the bat of Brantley is going to play and overrule over speed and stuff that Pena has. Look, Pena made the successful adjustment from slumping into the playoffs and won the World Series MVP. So he definitely has the makeup to be able to do that. And if he goes to number seven, I don't see any reason why he won't have – maybe he has marginal success compared to a 345, but he's not going to be an absolute zero in that position. And who knows, maybe they put – I mean, look, we talk about this all the time, Eric. What about Kyle Tucker? Why aren't we talking about him second? Why aren't we talking about him third? Why is Kyle Tucker always the odd man out? Kyle Tucker is your guy – I mean, leading off – He's hitting like 500, leading all those stats, Eric, were him leading off every time. So is Kyle Tucker our new leadoff hitter with Michael Brantley second and Jose Altuve third? I'm no, just, they wouldn't put back-to-back lefties. Well, no, I'm just I'm just saying though, like position. I mean, just look at look at what these guys can do in in, in different scenarios. Right. Haney is just going to lose out because he is still considered. Yeah not rookie anymore, but it's, it's a sophomore season. You said it and, right there. Yeah. He's not a rookie anymore. He needed the lineup protection because he was a rookie who was struggling. He made the adjustment. He doesn't need that anymore. So that's why I think he's going to be fine batting seventh. And um, Jay brings up the whole Joey Gallo um, issue uh, where they eliminated the shift. And now you have the outfielders. Um, shifting for Joey Gallo and people that have the that have the the, the stats that say that he's going to hit to right field like Joey Gallo does. So I told you teams are going to make the adjustment. They're going to figure out how to bend the rules and all that. So how do I think about that? That's that's going to happen. It, it's part of baseball teams. Yeah, I mean, way to skirt uh, by the rules. Yeah, and that was something that I remember Craig Biggio talking about at, at that town hall before I had even really heard of it. And he said, yeah, he goes, teams are going to be moving that left fielder over to right field. So where Jose Altuve used to occupy short right field, um, you know, that's going to happen. And I don't remember which infielder it was, but I believe it was someone from the Cubs or the Padres talking about how they were used to playing in the grass. Like they were like, when I play second base, no, it's actually – Marcus Simeon for the Rangers. He said, I'm used to playing deep at second. And a lot of times my feet end up in the grass. It's not because I'm shifting. It's because that's where I play. 
And so he said for him, it's going to be an adjustment because automatically he goes to his mind, well, I've got to be deeper. He said the deeper you play as a second baseman, it helps you range the ball quicker. So he said that's definitely going to be an adjustment. Yeah, on the next podcast, we're definitely going to have to talk more about the center field battle. Jake Myers is making a battle of it. And to a certain extent, uh, Justin Durden is putting his hat in the battle as well. And so, guys, thank you for making Locked on Astros podcast your first listen every day. For myself, Eric Heisman, for Brett Chancey, for everybody that listens to our podcast, make sure you go and subscribe to us. Go ahead and um, make us your first listen on Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you make us, wherever you listen to us, just go and listen to us every day, all off season, all regular season, all postseason. We're all at Astros every day. And until uh, tomorrow, go strips. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.